Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fresh Perspectives with Jana and Sally, part of IRI's Growth Insights podcast series. In our most recent Fresh Perspectives podcast, we talked about the role of perishables in our post-pandemic life. In this episode, we want to dive a little deeper to learn about opportunities in Fresh across retail channels, including e-commerce, which frankly sparked this whole conversation. To talk about the role of perishables in an omni-channel world are two fresh leaders, Sally Lyons-Wyatt, IRI's EVP, Center of Store and Produce Vertical, and Jana Parker, Principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence. Welcome back, Jana and Sally. As I mentioned, we've already covered that increasing role of perishables in our daily lives with all those new buyers and the huge increase in, in meal um home meal occasions, and other eating occasions. We also talked about convenience and value, and we touched on e-commerce and how sales of fresh really took off last year. So I want to start with maybe even picking that up on e-com and how e-com kind of changed our perception of fresh or changed our approach to fresh. Um, And then let's go into some of those other channels um, and find out how they're doing. So, Jana, I want to start with you. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about e-commerce and how that really changed the role of Fresh? Sure. I think what the pandemic really accelerated is the fact that consumers needed to solve their weekly grocery needs. And they didn't want to, or in many states, couldn't go out and get those from a grocery store. So all of a sudden, the demand for your entire shopping list to be fulfilled via delivery, click and collect, or in-store pickup just changed overnight. And when you had that need to get your groceries, which includes perishables, absolutely, you wanted your produce and you wanted your meat and you wanted your you know, baked goods still part of that grocery trip. It really opened a lot of people's eyes that it was hard to shop for fresh in an online grocery format or even some of the pure play grocers that were out there. And all of this acceleration, all of a sudden overnight, the demand was there. Whereas previously fresh, while I'd say there's been a demand for it, the need to put it online wasn't as imperative as it was last year because of our inability to a lot of people being able to go out to stores. So all of a sudden the demand jumped overnight and we fast forwarded into the future and how and what we needed to offer these consumers. Previously, online had been the bastion of things that were easy to ship, things that you could pretty much standardize from from market to market and have from a central warehouse. And so you didn't worry so much about warehouse to door time, but the pandemic changed that. And the demand was to get your groceries. What I think we learned about it, though, was that just because the demand was there didn't mean we knew how to create that experience online. 
And how we had marketed center store boxed foods, how we'd marketed um, non-edibles had been very brand driven, had been very search driven, right? If you're out of, you know, a box of tissue, many people know to type in Kleenex and, or they type in tissue, right? And you knew what you were experiencing. And when that came up with a bunch of pictures, just for your quantity and your size, and you ordered it. But all of a sudden, when you were saying, I need to get dinner on the table and I'm tired of what I ordered, what I got yesterday, you didn't know what to type in the search box. And the retailer didn't know how to utilize that new medium of online as a way to inspire that recipe. So when I look at the numbers, which were extremely strong for fresh foods online year over year for e-commerce, yes, it grew faster than any other category in the store in terms of e-commerce growth. But I argue it could have been bigger because there was a demand that people didn't always feel were met, either because they couldn't find what they wanted to search. I guess the other big problem we've heard about, right, is what to substitute. You might have ordered, you know, three pounds of green grapes and then got shipped a bunch of oranges. That was a real story that happened to people. Or you were looking for a certain cut of steak and, you know, stores weren't equipped to substitute the right equivalent cut. All of those are solvable problems that I think are really part of our next several years, because the demand for fresh online is still going to be there. We just have to make it easier. Yeah. And I would, I would agree. And I see that retailers are definitely investing heavily. They know what a lot of the problems are. And frankly, I would be happy as a, you know, offline to take them through a lot of the challenges that I have. It's like a two person household does not need a couple pounds of broccoli for dinner. And we like broccoli. Um, so yeah, I'm totally with you there. Sally, how about you? Yeah, I was going to just say that you zeroed in on one of the big ahas, which is the infrastructure just wasn't there to meet the demand that came. So they had to learn to fly the plane and fix it at the same time, which is very difficult to do. Um, some of them were a little further along on building their infrastructure than others. And what that meant is the experience that you had to go shopping online was better for some of those retailers versus others. So now there's this, this kind of path in the road, if you will. And um, you can pick which side of the path you want to go on, right? Do you want to go to the left or the right? Because there are some retailers that have the infrastructure and the experience is a positive experience. And consumers can not only pick the banana they want, but they can pick whether it's green or whether it's yellow, and we talked about it in the last podcast, right? So you've got that, and some people are embracing that, and they can look for those meals and get the whole fresh solution that they're looking for. Um, There are others that might not have had that experience. And so that path is a little different. And for those retailers, they're going to have to work a little bit harder. And those manufacturers are going to have to work a little bit harder to get consumers to opt in online. And that's okay, but they just need to know that if they had struggles with their infrastructure and if they have products that are on websites that had trouble with their infrastructure, it just means you're going to have to work a little bit harder in order to get consumers to opt in online. Otherwise, it's okay. They're going to go into the stores. The great news about this is consumers are still going to eat and drink. We know that meals in the home are going to stay elevated. Not going to be at the same levels, but we're going to have more than we did in 19. So they still have time. It's not like time is running out. They have time to embrace and to provide suggestions and leverage 
TikTok and leverage other mediums to inspire people to want to stay home and cooking versus going elsewhere. And it gives them time to find that optimal right path for their infrastructure to get it to where consumers want to embrace it. So I think, you know, we always say the time is now, but it really is because the um, the opportunity exists for e-commerce to do what Jonna said, to really grow even more than they have and capture even more occasions than they did by really embracing the opportunity. And I don't know how any retailer can't participate right now. Um, you know, and I'm thinking of all the different channels, like the dollar channel and the convenience channel, you have to play at some level. And IRI has a lot of data that um, shows that omni-channel, you know, consumers that shop all those channels are so much more valuable than either shopping strictly online or strictly in-store. So there's something there's something tangible and measurable um, that says this is why you should be participating in this. So, you know, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking that when you and John were talking at the very beginning, and that's as mobility is going to be the trigger, right? Mobility is going to be the trigger that's going to start to see some shifts on where consumers shop, what they buy, how much they eat in home, out of home. It's the trigger. And, but I do think it's the opportunity for some of those other channels that might have missed out because people were only going for a finite number of trips and those trips they wanted to get in and get out and they, they weren't going and exploring different outlets. I think mobility is going to be that trigger that's going to get people into a more variety of outlets like they used to go to. Yeah. And on that front, I think it's the trigger. The trigger will be there naturally, but then how you delight and differentiate I think one of the things that is so imperative in this decade is fresh is everywhere. Think about it. If you drive down the street, it's likely that the gas station sign is talking about their fresh baked cupcakes or some type of, you know, hot and ready meal. Um, you know, the idea of being able to order your groceries online from a specially curated box, whether it be a produce box or a meat box or a whole variety of Epicurean foods everyone is trying to get that fresh dollar. So when we can be more mobile, how are you A, going to keep them if you're part of traditional grocery or traditional, you know, multi-outlet, but B, if you're part of one of the fringe, you know, who you've maybe lost, you're looking to gain back share. I don't think it's going to be about competing at the same game. I think it's going to be about differentiating corely, straightly on the fact that today's consumer in this post-pandemic world is different right? There's a couple key imperatives. Sally hit on one of them. We're going to be much more mobile. We're going to be much more interested in, in things. I heard the phrase this weekend, revenge travel. People have this pent up demand to go out and to do things and see things and get on the road or fly somewhere or rent a house with their friends. And there's so many opportunities for retailers to capitalize on those occasions. There's also going to be a bit of busyness and new normalcy around balancing home, school, work, whatever's in our lives and getting dinner on the table that we could easily lose to food service if we don't make it convenient and easy. And oh, by the way, no offense, but the average American can only eat so many rotisserie chickens as their convenient meal solution, right? We're used to the, you know, the fact that DoorDash, we can order almost anything. How can a grocer or any kind of retail store mat match that convenience to help us get that dinner on the plate? And I think the last piece is about experience. 
When I think about channels, especially in specialty or even in discount and other channels that aren't traditional grocery stores, they compete on an experience. Just by walking in the door, I feel a premiumness or an adventure or a treasure hunt. Or in the case of the value chains, I think I'm saving money just because I shop here over somewhere else. They stood for something differentiated. And I think that's the key to this new omni-channel world. Everyone's going to say they have the freshest produce and hot and ready rotisserie chicken and, you know, ground beef that's, you know, I think most grocery stores probably have 1,200 different varieties of fresh meats, right? Everyone has that. So how are you going to stand out is really the key. So let's talk a little bit, you know, as, as we want to dig into how these different channels are going to stand out, give us kind of a, a lay of the land for how perishables fared across different channels um, during the pandemic. You know, everything grew. So who was kind of a winner, a fresh winner? I can take that one because um, I looked at the channel trends month to month throughout our uh, COVID-19 reporting, which continues into 2021. You know, traditional grocery really fared well. When we could go to less stores, we opted for the stores where we knew we could get what we needed. I also think traditional grocery won during the height of shortages. You felt that when so many more feet were walking in the doors of, let's say, a mass store, a mass or super center, that maybe if you went to your local grocer down the street, you'd have a better chance of picking up ground beef and toilet paper when they were in short supply. So for that reason, especially in the key critical categories to win, like meat and produce and commercial baked goods, traditional grocery really fared well, as did club, because of the fact that, yes, you could stock up and stocking up was more in demand than ever before, because even a one or two person household could suddenly work through that humongous you know, package of pork loin in a way we never had before. So club favored with that. But I think why club stayed strong, even as we became more mobile, is because they don't have every single thing a grocery store has. There's a feeling of curation and a feeling of, I don't want to say adventure, but I mean, it's described almost as a, a delight, right? You'll stumble upon and try new trends and try things. It feels very of the moment, at most club stores. And I think that's something that's been lost in other channels. And I know club actually did make greater gains in fresh um, Mm -hmm. than even grocery. And I think you're right. I think part of it too is when you go into a club store and you buy those big packs of, you know, strawberries or um, vegetables or something, you are, um, you do feel like, okay, I want to, eat through these too. You know, I'm, I'm going to eat through this. We're going to consume more, all those. We had so many more meals in the household. So it doesn't matter which size your household is. You are going to be like, guess what? It's asparagus and it's an asparagus and asparagus until it's gone. So enjoy. Um, so I thought that was interesting. What about some of the other channels like Dollar, for example, did so well. I mean, Dollar saw so much more growth in terms of households visiting um, and spending, but I don't really traditionally think of Dollar as a fresh destination. How did that do? You know, when you, from a general standpoint, they grew, but yet these other channels that John was talking about, they gained a bit more share um, than a dollar. So to your point, almost every channel grew, but did they grow in comparison to their peers, so to speak? And I think dollar is one of those where, you know, they're they're getting the 
traditional fresh, right? If you will, if there is such a thing, so bananas and some grapes and, you know, the traditional things that you can carry. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to Jonna's point, if they want to win in fresh, they need to differentiate. So what is it that they're going to offer that would be differentiated and align with the value proposition, no pun intended, of being that value provider um, for inexpensive. And I think the imperfect fruit and imperfect vegetables is one way that they could do that um, by offering what's perfectly good fruits and vegetables, but yet they just might not look as pretty, but who cares? You're going to eat them. You're going to peel them. You're going to you know, do that, prepare them in different ways. So I think there's an opportunity for a dollar, for the convenience, for the drug to really step back and say, how am I going to differentiate? Because convenience was toying with it, right? So there's some convenience channels that knock it out of the park. And they put on some of the best fresh sandwiches, some of the best fresh cooked prepared foods, some of the best fresh cookies that when you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's heaven. And then you have some that when you walk in, it's the rotisserie hot dog and it's been sitting there for a really long time, right? Convenience got hit hard because of mobility, the lack thereof. So now that we're getting back and convenience is going to get people walking back into their stores, how can they surprise and delight them with meal options and snack options and other occasion options that's really going to work well? And I had the pleasure of being on a panel with some other convenience retailers about a month ago. And some of the programs that these small chains have been doing through COVID to attract the consumers in are phenomenal. And whether they're a theme-based movie night and they're packaging up fresh and center store and some others into a movie night bundle, or whether it's just for that dinner time meal and they're doing some special things for that, that's differentiated. That's what's going to matter. And I think whether, and then drug, I have to say, I got my second shot, but I spent money in the drugstore waiting my 15 minutes buying different things in the store. But guess what? They didn't have a whole lot of fresh. fresh. Yep. And you know what? So again, missed opportunity. Yeah. Especially because the drug channel is so associated with wellness. You know, what a great opportunity. Um, so I want to ask, because you mentioned so many clever things happening in the convenience channel, and this would go across many channels, but are we ever going to go back to fresh cut fruit bowls or having things like vegetables sliced and diced for us for convenient meals? Because, man, I, I miss that. And I want to feel that trust again. We already are. <laughs> um, it, the latest quarter was a tough one to analyze. The March month was obviously tough because normally we look at year over year. But if you go back in time and compare it to 2019's March, our consumption, especially of value-added fresh foods, which when we say value-added, we mean pre-marinated or pre-cut meats. We mean sliced or diced or peeled um, fresh fruits and vegetables that are refrigerated or fresh, not the frozen. And those sales consumption is higher than it was in 2019. And why I think that that's going to be a tremendous hot button is when we've also done consumer um, intention surveys about their interest in value add, both in produce and in meat. The response has been, as I get, you know, in, in essence, as I get busier, I'll go back to that because I like the freshness of it. I feel better about the freshness of it. And I think that that's where 
um, if there was going to be a snap back to the old, we've been on this upward trend toward fresh convenience. And a lot of it retailers were doing in-house. What COVID changed is not the demand for that, but not the need for it. In almost every fresh department, we've seen an increase in receptivity towards branded and packed outside of store items. So I think there is an opportunity now for us to bring in value-added items that don't have to appear to have been made in the back. And I think that will help open up a lot of different opportunities for all retailers. And again, I think about what Sally said as we talk about, I don't want to even call them alternative channels, but for Fresh, they really are. A dollar store, a discount store, a convenience store can have a pre-packed, snackable, convenient solution at the right price point. I often like to say there is a fresh product for everyone and every price. You don't have to carry the highest end of everything to be successful. You can carry the right price point for the right people in your store and freshness will win. You know, I one other thing to add on what Jonna just said, and it's for any homes that have been doing the majority of their meals at home and not taking advantage of maybe, a, you know, going out and picking up January and bringing it home. We struggle as chefs, our in-home chef, for a variety and inspiration. And, you know, John has talked about it in the last podcast, so I'm going to kind of steal some of that and bring it forward. But that inspiration is so needed. And there are thousands of products in a grocery store. There are hundreds and thousands of products, even in a convenience store has hundreds and a dollar store has thousands. Can they not figure out how to then package up or bring in some uniqueness that's going to compete with the people that are like so tired of doing so many of the same things that they're racing out, as you talked about at the beginning, they're racing out to quick serve or limited serve just because they need inspiration and they're tired of what they've been doing. We're looking for the retail trade to help with that. Yeah. You know, I've so often I bring up um, the standard market here in the Chicago area, just a very, very small chain with a wall of what's for dinner tonight. And they post the menus, they change every week and it's brilliant. And Sally, it kind of reminds me of you talking about the convenience channel with a, a bundled meal or a pr- one thing, you know, one thing, this is the specialty of the week. It's that's genius. So that kind of takes me into that whole, how are you going to differentiate? How are you going to be um, known as a destination for X? What makes sense across some of these different channels? Um, you know, do you associate one channel as, you know, shining in X area? Or what, what could a wow factor be for any given channel? Yeah, you know, I think when people think of fresh, they think of the high-end specialty health forward grocery stores, which I always thought was interesting because certainly the produce and and really the produce departments of floral departments are marquee at those banners, but they also have gorgeous meat displays, even if that meat isn't always highly claimed, you know, we say claims in the meat department, right? Um, It's typically synonymous with health. I've also found it fascinating that some of those super high-end stores had some of the best prepared foods, hot bars, meal solutions, And by best, I don't always just mean quality, I mean variety. I think that's where they differentiated. Yes, it was on the most plethora of health foods, vitamins, produce, 
you know, center of store options that were a little more clean eating. But then the fact that they doubled down on variety of comfort and ethnic cuisine in their prepared food space really showed how that can be a differentiator too. And I think what happened too much during the last two decades of Fresh is we listened strongly to what won and then everyone adopted it. So all of a sudden you saw these super large prepared food counters and a lot of in-store made things. You started to see a lot of meal kits. You saw a lot more fresh squeezed juices, but everyone had them from the guy who had been previously competing on price to the highest of the high-end specialty market. And so all of a sudden that became table stakes to have a prepared foods program. And then what I found, especially in 2019, we started to see a flat line of prepared foods and value-add veg and um, convenience meat options, raw meat options, because they were homogeneous, right? How could you stand out when everyone expected it? So I think it goes back to basics. There's a couple key trends that are absolutely top of mind right now post-pandemic. They're all involved in the consumer's mind at the same time, depending on the occasion and the situation. And that's health-mindedness. We really did gain anywhere from 20 to 25 pounds on average during the pandemic. So making healthful choices or feeling permissible about your choices is going to be key. A retailer can certainly help that with education and signage and even an online engagement. I think the other piece is convenience. This marrying of meal options and using the grocer as a meal making spot. And I say the grocer, again, it could be done enough. I've seen it done in limited format discount. I've seen it done in wide super center. And how do you help the consumer solve the meal across the aisles helps that convenience piece. Don't just think of dinner as rotisserie chicken, uh, a soda and a bag of chips. And then I think the last piece is premium experience. And that's where there's so much differentiation potential. Premium can mean that you have a dietitian available or you've got some signage up touting your ethical practices. It can also mean cheese tastings and a wide variety of grab and go, you know, vaccination party bundles or tailgating things. All the things are getting ready to return back to normal. Those types of promotions are differentiations and they align to that premium experience. You know, it's interesting what Johnny just said. Those three are not new. What's new about them is how they've evolved because of the impact of COVID. So when you think about the health-minded, so we've been talking about holistic health, self-care, whatever you want to call it, right? We've talked about it now for almost six, seven years. And those are the steps that consumers take in order to stay well. So that's not new, but people became much more self-aware of their health through COVID, People became much more self-aware of what foods are better for them versus others, what nutrients are what they need in order to prevent specific disease states. How can they stay healthy so they can avoid having COVID, even if they get the, the vaccines? So retailers need to now take that and go to, to phase two of whatever their health and wellness process was, right? Because everybody had one, but now they need to up their game because they still have, I talk about this all the time. The people that were health-minded before COVID stayed health-minded. They didn't just walk away. If you were gluten-free, you walked into COVID, you didn't walk out not gluten-free. So you still have health-minded consumers, but you have more of them and they are much more self-aware. So they need to take advantage of that. Convenience, not new, but convenience is going to need to be that differentiated convenience because the same old convenience, people are 
thirsty for variety. They're thirsty for excitement. They're thirsty for experience, experiential. And so convenience needs to now pivot and be convenient, but how can you be differentiated convenient? And then when you talk about premiumization, again, not new, however, um, what John has said was right. The services that can be provided, here's what's so cool, is we started talking about nutritionists and signage with the Top Trends and Fresh seven years ago. And we talked about how nutritionists or, you know, being able to have chefs and showing how to prepare things. You can reach more people now that there are these video platforms. Leverage the video platforms. Cast your net wider to your shoppers. Find some new shoppers you've never communicated with. Talk to them about what you're able to deliver. The time is incredibly and it is an inspiring time to inspire those around you to think differently. So those three that she mentioned are absolutely right. It's just how they've evolved because of COVID. And I think, Sally, what you're trying to say is the time is now. Yes. <laughs> um, so I want to I want to recap. Um, again, our time goes so fast and I so enjoy speaking with you both. Um, but I want to recap a couple of the um, the main thoughts that we talked about today. And that is that Fresh has a role across all channels, and it is up to the individual channels or even the individual retailers to create their own definition of differentiation that's going to drive people into their stores for something unique to that store or that banner. Um, You know, one of the things I loved that Sally said, in fact, talking about, you know, one channel in particular with Dollar was Marrying, marrying that channel up to what already makes sense, value, imperfect produce. I just, that's such a simple, genius idea. You're, as Jana said, you walk into the store already with a mindset of, I'm going to save money. It's a little bit different than walking into a gourmet store down, down the street. So, so interesting. And then you both really talked a lot about those three major trends of helpful choices convenience, um, especially as people are looking for more variety, um, and then those premium experience, which are two, to me, almost two things and then one thing together, that premium, because we still are eating more at home and we want to elevate the experience. But then we also want that experience when we get to the store, you know, make me feel special and make me feel like the hero when I walk out with whatever it happens to be to feed my family or myself. Um, To your point, both of you, COVID-19 changed a lot, um, but it didn't change the need for fresh or fresh solutions. So with that, I want to thank you again, and I look forward to our next Fresh Perspectives with Jonna and Sally episode. Thanks, Joan. Thank you so much, Joan. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.